What's happening, Hardscapers? This is episode 221 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. And on today's episode, we're joined by two returning guests for another I Am a Hardscaper roundtable rally, where we bring back returning guests from our I Am a Hardscaper series, where we do a one-on-one, and then these roundtables, we bring back two or three guests. And in this case, we have Adam from Lily LLC, that's L-I-L-L-E-Y, LLC on Instagram, as well as Shane from Royal Stone Masonry 87 on Instagram. Both do beautiful designs and just felt it fitting to bring them to on a round table together to talk about just that designing projects, adding beautiful inlays, as well as as well as their thoughts with scaling their business that has to do so much with their creative work themselves as owner operators. But before we get into all of this, we want to thank our sponsors, Cycle CPA. If you're looking for bookkeeping, accounting, CFO services, reach out to Cycle CPA at cyclecpa.com. Let them know how to hardscape sent you for $200 off their services there. And in light outdoor lighting, if you're looking to add a service to your business, outdoor lighting could be just for you. That's I-N-L-I-T-E design, in light design on Instagram to follow them for some inspiration and get that conversation started there. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Adam and Shane. Today, we're joined by two returning guests here, and uh, it's a long time coming for Adam to bring him back for a roundtable here. So Adam from Lily LLC on Instagram, that's L-I-L-L-E-Y-L-L-C on Instagram. Adam, thanks so much for joining us back here for this roundtable. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's been a while. Yes, it has. And uh, it's been uh, difficult to find somebody that we could bring that does uh, designs to the point that uh, you do them there. So we've finally got our guests here for you, Shane from Royal Stone and Masonry. That's Royal Stone Masonry 87 on Instagram. And Shane was a uh, most recent guest on the I'm Hardscaper interview uh, and well known for his inlays and quite recently the Dragonfly inlay. Shane, thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me again. And uh, getting into designs, I just recently had a short conversation with somebody that had a question that definitely pertains to the two of you and the effort and the time and everything that goes into your guys' designs and getting on site. Uh, my first question to you guys is, is how, how do you know when you've gone too far with a design or perhaps when you're not going to make any more money, even though you've got a great idea to extend that design a little bit further for the, for the client. Do you reapproach that client, shoot them in the idea, pitch them the idea, and let them know how much that's going to cost? Do you eat the cost depending on that? Or, you know, what is that conversation going like in your head when, Shane, you come up with a dragonfly inlay if that hasn't been discussed with a client before? Or, um, Adam, you're doing a constellation uh, lighting pattern for a client how do you know when a design's gone too far for you as a business owner rather than a designer itself? Uh, whoever wants to kind of start us off with that conversation there. So for me, obviously, it's completely different to Adam. Adam's his own boss, his own employee. So I think he has a lot more time compared to me. For me, I have to have a set day amount of when this design has to come out. And if I go over that time, then basically that's on me. Because I, I figured it out in my head. I figured it the designer, if I need more materials, then that's on me. Because I have to take accountability. I can't keep going to the customer and say, oh, I thought this was going to be a lot more than expected. The only time when I charge extra is if the customer's going to add extra, extra work, extra details, extra design. But for me, you know, sometimes, like I explained in my previous podcast, the compass rose. It took two days extra. I had to eat that. So the thing is, that was two two extra days of labor. Um, but it's basically on me because it's poor poor planning. But you know, that's 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 just me holding my hands up and say, yeah, I thought it was going to take this long, but it didn't. So um, I, I can't really blame the customer for that. That's just on me. Adam, how about yourself? Uh, you know what? 
I'm kind of in the same boat. Yes, because it's just me, I, I have a, a tiny bit more freedom. Problem is, profit is profit. At the end of the day, the business has to earn a certain amount of income. And, and it does usually end up coming down to eating a bit of that. So you have to draw your line of, of what you need to make versus what you want to make. And then how much the art of what we do means to you. Um, so for me, I, I do have a lot of freedom. I run as, as lean overhead as possible. And uh, because of that, I, I can kind of take the freedom to play a little bit more, design a little bit more and, and, and go crazy. But yeah, it's, it's tough. It, it's really hard to really express to a client the cost of, yeah, we're going to change this little aspect, but that adds, especially if you're a one-man operation, a day or two of work, which you can't sit there and explain to them your numbers. They're not going to get it. They're, they're not a business owner and it's not their job. So you make the decision. Do you say, you know what? I don't want to do this creative thing. Uh, it's not worth it financially. Or you know what? I'm going to take it on the chin because this is I love what I do and this is the art for me. I mean, I, I have a fine art background. So to me, it, it really is art. So it, it's really a it's a tightrope walk. And I think for everybody, it's going to be different. And depending on the size of your business and how many clients you have and, and how many jobs are lined up after that current one, you know, it's different for everybody. So then when it comes to approaching a client with an idea that you have, uh, whether you've done this before or not, you're, you're at some point in the project and you didn't consider this new aspect in the initial design and you think it would blow the client away, how do you bring that to the client? And what would your process be, uh, especially if it wasn't in the uh, initial scope of work for the project? Do you bring it up to them as a change order and communicate to them that, hey, this is a new feature, I think it would be, look really cool, or this is a new inlay uh, idea that I have for you where we didn't have an inlay? Uh, what would be your process, whether or not you've done this before to a client? Well, um, all the time I, I hate a blank canvas. You know, I, I hate doing just patios. I, I got to put something in it regardless. Um, it, it all boils down to the customer's budget for me. My first early years, it, it wasn't like that because obviously I had to build my portfolio. But now um, I'll just say to him, I'll try and figure it out. I'll come up with a quick design and I'll sketch it down on a piece of paper and I'll show them, look, this is what we could do. Obviously, I run with six guys, so as well as we're putting the field out, you know, I could have a couple of guys, you know, maybe doing the border over here and a couple of guys cutting around a post over here. So as they're doing, I'm actually talking to the customer, laying out these pavers and say, do you think that looks good? Do you think that looks good? So I get to try and let them visualize it on site, in person, as we're doing it. And then if they're like, yeah, okay, let's do it, then obviously we talk the numbers, tell them the extra pay, you know, this could be an extra 3,000 here, this could be an extra 5,000 here. You know, obviously when it comes to the end of the job, that's the one thing I need to start doing is right there on the spot is, all right, this is a contract, this is a change order, this is how much you're going to cost. Because usually when it comes to the end of the job, they're like, oh, well, and it, you know, I guess into a little bit of like, you know, come on, you know, you, you know, you, I did this, you got to pay me, but I learned my lesson and, you know, that's something I have to do because obviously I'm, we're good at hardscaping, but I, I'll tell you one thing, I'm, I'm terrible coming to business and stuff like that, the business end of the, the, uh, the company. Honestly, I'm awful at it, but I have something to work on. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, how about yourself? What's your process? I, that? You know, so again, very similar to Shane. Um, I'm not a great businessman, but the I think the thing I do have going for me is I'm a good talker and I, I connect with people and I'm just very transparent. So um, he, he might have some guys laying block and he can talk to them. I'd lay block and talk to them at the same time because, because uh, it's just me. But it, it does happen very naturally most of the time. Um, they come out, we're doing something and, and my brain is just constantly going. Uh, as a, I try to design a project to the budget and the best of my design ability. But once you break ground, once you're there, once you're seeing how the sun moves throughout the day, once you're seeing how the, the trees are there and it, just everything, also new ideas start coming to your head and you're like, oh, you know, it'd be kind of cool this. So at that point, the client's talking and, and sometimes it just, it's almost like, you know, just words are coming out of your mouth. You're like, oh yeah, if it was my backyard, I'd do this. And they go, well, that's, that's pretty cool. How much would that cost? 
And so you just kind of roll with it. And, and it happens frequently. Um, uh, but case in point, on one of the most recent jobs that's been ongoing forever and, and uh, a bit of a headache, not due to any of the clients or anything. Um, the masonry was all bluestone, but I was talking about how I love mosaic work, pebble mosaic work, especially over in Europe and Asia. And they're originally from Ireland. And all of a sudden he had an outdoor shower and he said, I want you to do a, a mosaic on the shower floor. And it was like, that was not, that could never have been planned in the original contract. It's just so far out there, but just from discussion, um, it, it kind of came up. So you, you do your best again to, to remember like, okay, let me write this down in a change order because I don't want to start digging this out and building this. And then at the end, shell shock them with a new bill. But at the same time, it, it's, it's going to be a great new aspect of this project and something I'm really proud of. So for me, it's very fluid. Um, because it's just me and, and the clients constantly having conversations. It, it is one of those things where you just, it just kind of comes up through natural conversation and you, you, you take it day by day and, and create new things. Yeah. I just want to add on to that. It's just, um, it's true though. Cause as, as you're doing the job, you do get to see the sun coming around and you get a new perspective. So you always come up with, you know, designs and you get to see the pool in a different light or the patio in a different light. So I can definitely, you understand where Adam's coming from because I'm the same way. You know, the jobs, you plan these jobs out and as you're doing it, you always get these ideas and it just changes. Everything always changes, you know, just to get a better perspective for the customer. I mean, you're, you're living you're living on that site for, you know, the, the eight to 10 hour day and, and you're just seeing new things and you're like, you know what? You know, we're not perfect designers. We have great ideas. But once you're there, you're like, I can improve. And now I want to. And now I want to sell that to the client, not because I'm trying to be more profitable, which is obviously a necessity for a business, but because we love what we do and we want to create these new, uh, you know, outdoor living art projects for ourselves and for our clients. So when you're there, it, it very quickly turns into, you know, I've got an idea. I, I, I need to do this. It's, it's, it's a compulsion, right? Yeah, 100%. You, you said you're an artist. At school, that's why I did. I was an artist. So obviously it's just weird that, you know, you, you, you grow <laughs> up and you think, oh, you're going to be a, a graphic designer or something like this. And I actually, you know, we're both doing it in construction. So we're both artists and we come in and we actually put art in the ground. So it's pretty cool because we see things completely different to other other people. So that's where the art comes in and I love it. So I can see yeah, that in you too. Couldn't agree more, Shane. Couldn't agree more. So speaking about the art and the design aspect of art and the imagination that, that comes from that, um, Shane, I know in our conversation, you talked about a book of ideas that you have. I don't know if that was metaphorical or if it's actually physical that you have uh, inspiration that you put into a book. Uh, but Adam, you yourself, uh, your inspiration, where, where are all of these ideas coming from? And are you, are you documenting things that you see in everyday life that you think, you know what, that would be a really cool inlay, uh, idea in the future and putting that somewhere, or do you have a bank in your memory that you're always drawing from? Where are these design inspirations coming from uh, that you that you want to implement in the next project or the project after that? Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, my brain's always ticking. It's always working. I, it's funny enough, right, the, the Celtic Knot project, the reason why I did the Celtic Knot, I just bought uh, the PlayStation 5. I was playing the, <laughs> the new Assassin's Creed game, the Vikings game, all, all the, the runes, the, the old designs from the Vikings. And I thought, oh, my God, that'd be so amazing to go back to my customer and put that in the ground. So that, that was kind of it. I like everywhere I look and everywhere I see things like um, the dragonfly was actually a request from the customer. That was pretty cool. But. I'm I'm just driving along and it's just sometimes I have to just pull over and start sketching away. I do have a sketchbook um, where I could show you a few things over here. But it's just like all, all previous projects what I've done. I just sketch it out and just play with it and keep playing with it until until I finally get into the design. And then Adam, what about yourself? Oh boy. So uh, that's a can of worms for me because Similar to Shane, I've got that fine arts background, originally uh, a painter and ceramicist. And so I, I, I just draw, like I said, it's compulsion to create. And then there's just a constant absorption of what's around me. Um, 
So we'll take, for instance, the Art Deco project that I did with a lot of Squadra. Um, keep your eyes out because something might be happening with that. But um, that, I, I just kind of started, you ever watch um, Boardwalk Empire, right? Art Deco era, I, I watched the buildings, I watched the architecture, and I had been reading um, Ayn Rand Fountainhead, which was about architecture. And you start thinking about those buildings, you start seeing lines. And I've got this fan, it's actually right above me right here. Um, the base of it, that's an antique fan, is an Art Deco base. And you see these lines, you see things, and all of a sudden your brain starts kind of twisting and turning. And so for that project, it was simple as I Googled Art Deco and started seeing wallpapers and buildings and mid-century you know, furniture and all that. And I, I, I saw that uh, waving kind of motif of those straight lines. And I was like, I, that's buildable. I could build that. And I, I wanted to. And so that, that became very uh, quickly the idea. Um, and then there's also the classical side of architecture where I follow some of the, the big architect firms who do amazing masonry. Um, you know, they don't, they don't do thin stone and, and paver so much. They're doing full bed and they're shaping a single stone. They've got guys shaping a single stone for a day to set these staircases and pillars and all that. But the lines, uh, the, the, the movement, the, the, the way it feels grounded to the earth, that's also inspiring. So it's kind of this blend of I'm just always paying attention and ideas just kind of keep swirling. And if I could sell it to the client and I, I try telling people, you know, just like Shane, I, I'm not very interested in laying a 20 by 20 patio. That's not there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of businesses that do great doing that. But for me personally, I don't find joy in that. So I try to find clients that want the art. And then I have kind of, you know, that collection of ideas, that, that memory bank of um, photos, ideas, objects, things I've seen and, and can design against. And then once I see their property, I start playing with it and saying, okay, I know the scale of the job, the materials they like. How do I make this kind of come to fruition for them now to, in your guys business today are you getting clients that are coming to you and are requesting things of you such as the dragonfly for shane um or is this something that they are coming to you they know your style and they just kind of give you free reign and uh if so what kind of questions are you trying to ask them to see what their aesthetic appeal is going to be for you to design um, a project that would appeal to them. Uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Adam, there and in, in continuing on with that Art Deco project or any other project that you want to go off of. But how are you understanding um, what design is going to appeal to a client rather than uh, like, are you sending them photo inspiration or are you asking them questions that you have set? Uh, how about, how are you going about that? So, um, it's, it's a little of both. I do get clients who they, all my clients pretty much are word of mouth or reference or have seen my work. So, uh, they, they know what they're getting into once they meet me. Um, from that, some of them have an idea of what they want and I'm a hundred percent open to that and willing to design around that. Some just say, we don't know what we want. We know what we like. And so for those kind of clients, I do usually kind of create, um, I call it a black and white kind of almost a Rorschach test, right? I, I send them something uh, contemporary, something classic. Very quickly, you could see which one do they draw to. I send something with warm tones versus cool tones. Which one do they draw? To? Very quick contrast versus muted. And you can get an idea pretty quickly of what people like. Other clients have a little bit of an idea. Um, the monochrome project, they really wanted simple, simple light gray. And I actually kind of had to push them and say, listen, there's almost too much light gray. We need a little bit of something here. We've got 1,500 square feet of white gray. Um, let's just do something to bring this together. But for the most part, you know, it's about reading the client, kind of coming up with that idea of what they like. And then it's our job as the designer to say, okay, I could design you 10,000 things. Most of them you probably won't like. They're not going to be your taste. But if we can kind of have a conversation, um, draw in from a few sample photos of what your taste is, then I'm pretty sure we can pinpoint what you do like and design around that. And then uh, yourself, Shane, how are you uh, kind of understanding what that client may want in their designs or what their style may be? 
Um, so for me, obviously, say, for example, the, the last project, the, the Dragonfly project, that customer called me, yeah, close, you know, doing these inlays and insane. So when I started talking to him, you know, he had this crazy fireplace, this old fireplace with a um, pizza oven. And it looked like someone out of um, Count Dracula's estate. It was, it was incredible. I loved it. <laughs> and um, I started talking to him about it. And, and he started telling me, like, oh, he loves this. And he had all these dragonflies, like statues. And I said, you know what would be cool on this patio? The dragonfly. And he's like, straight away, he's like, what? What could you do with that? So I showed him, you know, previous projects, previous ideas. And then he was just gravitated towards that. And he's like, he didn't even care what the, the rest of the project looked like. He just, all he wanted was this dragonfly right there. So that was kind of one customer. But a lot of my customers, like in the past, a few of them have just said, do what you want, free will. I, I ain't got a clue what I'm doing. So I love them them customers, but I hate them at the same time because <laughs> it puts all the pressure on me. It's like, you know, what happens if I do design something and they absolutely hate it, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but then there is some customers who approach me and say, look, I want it this way, that way. And as a designer and as a you know person like Adam, who we love art, we're like, no, it looks terrible. It's not going to work. It's not going to go. But the thing is, sometimes you just have to give in and give the customer what they want as well. But it, it, it's, it, is, it is different aspects. You know, everyone's different. Everyone has different tastes. So, you know, it, I try and, you know, get a glimpse, get a, you know, what they want and try and give it back to them as much as I can. But sometimes they trust me that much, you know, like, like Adam says, you know, you, you make them feel comfortable and eventually they just give you free range. And that's what I like with a lot of my customers. You work hard to build a successful business. And because of this, it is important to work with companies that you can trust, rely on, and whose missions are to give you the highest quality product and customer support. Low voltage outdoor lighting is one of the easiest ways for you to grow your business and increase revenue. Using lighting can make you more profit, add that wow factor, and make your business stand out. Whether you are already using outdoor lighting in your hardscape projects or not, it's time you check out InLight Outdoor Lighting. As a professional hardscaper, we know that you need efficient installs, less callbacks, and premium products to have a successful and growing business. InLights got you covered. They've created some of the most premium and unique lighting on the market to make your project stand out and wow your clients with their unmatched light quality. It gets better. InLight has an unbeatable customer support team, provides many educational resources like online and in-person training, installation videos, and so much more. They care about your business growth and will be with you every step of the way. For more information on how InLight can help you grow your business, check them out on Instagram at in light design that's at i n l i t e design on instagram dm them to find out how to put more money in your pocket this season now back to the podcast so speaking of free range and getting into complex designs and getting to know your clients uh how long did it take for you guys to get comfortable with pitching these more complex designs and pitching these things to clients that you want to, that you want to be your portfolio, right? Because um, I'm sure that that took a little bit of um, understanding that took a little bit of time to kind of flex and show them what you're capable of before, you know, you build that portfolio to where you get comfortable. Um, what was that, that period like for you guys? And how long did it take for you to get comfortable with showing clients what you're capable of and what you wanted your business to be? Okay. Um, so, so uh, just truth, truth to uh, words here. Honestly, I, I don't think I'm still comfortable. I really don't. Uh, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that every time I come up with an idea, half the time I'm quite, I'm losing sleep over how exactly am I going to do that? I, I, you know, I, I, I know I'm going to figure it out. I really do. And I would never, 
leave a client high and dry and, and not do them right. But at the same time, there's so many aspects to these projects, especially as they grow larger and, and I'm doing poolscapes and fire places and fire pits and lighting and kitchen. It's like, okay, I'm just one guy. How am I going to figure this out? I know I can, but it's, it's still terrifying. Um, and then when you start saying, well, it's also not going to be the norm. It's not going to be a stackable block uh, kitchen. It's going to be a, a veneer, veneered kitchen with custom lighting or a new, you know, you know, I, Luckily, we have the great tools that we have these days, but setting countertops by myself, it's like, okay, well, these are these are massive hunks of stone. What am I doing here exactly? Um, but I, you know, I have the vision, I fall in love with it. And I think that's what speaks to my clients. They do often question, you're just one guy. Yep, you're right. I am. Um, I, I've literally had a client, they they became really good clients, really good friends. They were so scared because it was a massive project. I don't it was the Foxy project. I haven't real. I have not been good on social media and, and keeping up, but um, it ended up being over three thousand square feet of pavers, multiple fire features, lots of lighting, prepping for a custom curved deck for another contractor. And their concern was, "You're one guy. What if you got hurt?" And it's like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> like I, I don't even think of that. That's a possibility. Um, so I don't know. It, it's just again, it's a very fluid relationship open communication, um, designing, building, contracting, pricing, buying material. Everything with me is very, very transparent. That's, I think, my best way to go about it. But still to this day, there, I, there, are, there are so many ideas I, I can pitch to clients. And I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't say, am I confident that I could do it? Absolutely. Am I confident that they maybe see it and believe it? No, I I have a baby face. I look young and they might be like, what's this, what's this kid doing? But you know, you keep going. I, I, we love what we do. It's, it's an art. It's an all art. And it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with what I do and, and fortunate to do what I do. So it just works out. I, I'm winging it. I really am. I'm winging it. <laughs> Shane, what about for you yourself? Comfortability, confidence. How long did it take you to build that to get to you to be doing Dragonfly inlays now? Just want to touch on this. I have so much respect for Adam that he does everything by himself. Just to, just hearing him saying that he lifts that natural stone countertop, you know, he's, he's, he's pulling my back out already. So <laughs> I, I can't imagine how – because. Even I, I have like six guys. I feel overwhelmed with the, the amount of work I do and the amount of times I, you know, pitch a design to a customer because, you know, like, yeah, you, you know, you, you really don't know how you're going to get it done until you start doing it. And you can plan as much as you can for it, but things always change. So I, I have so much respect for Adam, honestly. I really do. But um, Thank you. yeah, you're welcome, buddy. So, comfortability for a customer when when i first did it you know it it was nerve-wracking i was like you know what customer's gonna think i'm nuts you know pitching this design and doing this but like you know it, he just turned around and says yeah do it go ahead do it you, you're gonna be good so um i feel like that gave me a little bit of confidence then every single time i approached the customer and it says you know what i did not I didn't have a clue. I was just like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be the best. You got the best crew doing this. You got the best designer. And I feel like because I just kept hyping it up, hyping it up, that took away a lot of nerves. And then plus my guys saw how crazy and passionate I am, like sketching out every two seconds and like dry stacking and cutting everything in, little, little perfection. And, you know, one of my guys will cut a stone and I'll be like, no, that looks better. You know, we'll cut it like this. It's like the, the last job, the Dragonfly, we was finished, and then a Cambridge guy came over, and he says, what about the eyes? It doesn't look like a, a dragonfly. And I'm like, you know, well, he's right. He's right. And it just really annoyed me. It annoyed me so much. So at the last second before we started putting the polysand, we had the polysand sweeped halfway in, and I actually cut two eyes out, and we put it in, and it just looked finished. It, it, looked, it looked better. So that's another thing is, like, even every single design I do, I'm never truly satisfied. I always step back and I look at it. And I'm like, you know what? I could have added an extra border here, but then I'm thinking if I did that, I've lost another day. I've lost two days here, but that's my mind always. And every single design I, I go on, but yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's, that's just it. it. So 
I, I think that's where we're very similar is you're constantly thinking about it and how to improve. And it's not just for the sake of the art, but it's, it's the entire project and treating the client right. And by hyping it up, you're not, you're, I mean, you're being so bluntly honest with the client that like, I'm doing this because this is quite frankly, my calling and what I do. And I, I would not be doing it justice if I silenced myself. I have to speak up. I know I can improve this. Even if it means maybe losing a few hours of pay here, I'm going to do this. We're going to make this the best possible thing ever. And that itself is, is uh, it's, it's just a huge confidence booster and trust builder with clients when they've seen that and they've heard that from prior clients and they see it in your prior jobs, it becomes a huge root of trust of, you know what, I, I don't see what he sees and I don't know what he's talking about. Quite frankly, half the time, I don't think they know what we're saying, but they, they know they can tr put their trust in our hands and we're going to build the project right. And, and by doing something like that little last minute cut on that dragonfly, it's it's all the difference in the world of saying, you know, hey, it, it's it's me on the line. It's not just this project and I'm not looking to collect that last paycheck. It's no, no, no. I I need to build the best thing I could build here. I really do. That's just it's what we do. A hundred percent. It's your reputation. It's my reputation. And that's what we want to do. We just want to keep keep up the reputation. Absolutely. Yeah. So what keeps you guys wanting to continue to push the envelope with your designs and wanting to, what is that inside of you? Can you point to something or, you know, besides having that prior education and having that, um, you know, that, that passion for art, uh, what is it about hardscape designs that makes you want to continue to uh, come up with new ideas and, and write down your inspirations for for the next project and the next project and to want to focus in on those details, those eyes of the dragonfly and uh, lighting positioning and whatever that might be? Uh, is there anything inside of you that you can point to to say uh, that's what it is that makes me want to continue to push the envelope to make each design better than the last one? Well, for me, I, I think it's just constant improvement, always improving on myself. Even in my personal life, I, I could say three years ago, I was I was a wreck in my personal self, but now I've co concentrated on that, on my health, and I'm always forever improving. And that's just falling into my business too. So it's just forever improvement. Like I said in my, my last podcast, I created a monster, so I always have this high expectation of myself, but I absolutely love it. I, I love the pressure. I love the challenge. I, I love waking up. It's like a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> all the time for me. I am so I'm so up one day and I'm so down the next day. So the thing is, it, it just falls into the business all the time, and I it's it, it it's just I never know what I'm going to do next in the hardscaping business, and I just love it. And it just it, it's just some of what I have so much passion for. And I'm pretty sure Adam can say the same. Yeah, uh, I'd say I'm, I'm right along the lines with that. Um, if I could point to one thing inside of me, I, I really don't know. I, I would just say from a very young age, I, you know, I was I was drawing and, and learning to play instruments. and doing, I, I, I don't do well with stagnancy. So to do the same project over and over would uh, it would crush me, uh, quite frankly. I, I don't think I would do well with it. Um, I did a lot of different jobs while I was in college trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I never, ever could have imagined that this is the business I would have gotten into, but I couldn't be happier because it lets me flex my creative muscles. Um, so from reading endlessly to playing instruments to painting, drawing, uh, working on um, anyone who follows me knows I have a lot of antique cars and trucks. Um, I have to be doing and to do the same thing over and over for me just wouldn't be satisfying. So I, I see a new job and, and I just, I kind of want to come at it differently. And then again, self-improvement, you do a job and that, you know, I, I always do my best to my clients, but we learn as we go. So there's something that two, three years ago, you look at a job and you say, I definitely could have treated that differently and could have done better, done more. And now I'm going to do on the next job. And you, you watch all the guys around us doing incredible work and you just kind of keep absorbing and you, you keep growing from there. Like I said, I think, 
I guess it's stagnancy. Stagnancy is the big motivator for me. Stay away from stagnancy. I don't want to do the same thing. I want to do new things every day. That's what I want to do with my life. So then do you guys have any advice that you would give to somebody who is a good hardscaper? They, you know, they do quality work, but they do just the typical border contrasting the um, the field of the pavers, uh, nothing out of the ordinary, anything like that. But they want to branch out and do beautiful inlays and these uh, different designs. Um any any advice that you'd give to a hardscaper like that that wants to start to branch out, but is a little bit worried about, um, you know, their ideas coming to uh, fruition in, in that build process that uh, perhaps the dragonfly wouldn't look like a dragonfly when they're all said and done it. And they're a bit nervous about that or uh, their lighting positioning might be off and they're a bit nervous about that or just putting themselves out of their comfort zone to pitch these ideas to clients in the first place. Uh, any, any advice that you'd give to that hardscaper to help them motivate themselves to, you know, put, put themselves out there as you guys already have. For me, I, I think it's, you know, I would say, just do it. Just, just go for it. But I don't know what kind of position they're in. Like to say, you know, their budget, obviously. And, what kind of materials they want to use, you know, you, for, for me, it started off small. So I started doing small inlays and small little details, small little designs. And I started off small and then I pitched it to my next job. I got bigger and bigger and bigger every single job. So for a new hardscaper to do it, it's just, you, you've got to do it with, with learning, with knowledge. You can't do everything on the computer. You can't do everything on a piece of paper. You'll never learn without actually doing it. You could practice doing it on, you know, at nighttime, like how to cut a perfect, you know, curving or or just do, do some at home, basically, on your, your own patio just to do that. But as, you know, you're never really going to know unless you start building it. And... I everything I've done, I don't get me wrong, it's never been perfect. There's always been room for improvement. And every single job I've learned by my mistakes and I've I've took that to the next job and I'm like, all right, this is how I'm going to improve, or this is how my guys are going to improve on this. Or, you know, maybe like for example, I got into porcelain tile a little bit last year, porcelain tile. And just the I did the, the European way method, you know, uh, mud set base. And, you know, we've had a lot of callbacks because of the, the poly sand. So I stopped doing poly sand on that and we doing the grouts. And that's just improvement because it, it failed on one project. So the next project I'm doing is just, okay, we're not going to do it like that. We're going to do it differently. So, yeah, it's um, you're not going to know unless you start. Adam, how about yourself? Advice to somebody? Going off of what Shane said, like he's getting callbacks on that that body sand stuff. It's it's really be ready to accept that when you're not perfect and there's a learning curve, and stand by it. I, I mean, if you stand by what you do, um, clients are much more likely to keep going with you and and, and spread your name. Um, be ready to know the time frames change drastically when you start getting into custom work. Time frames go out the window. What you think you can get done in a day, whether you have a crew of you or three or six guys, it drastically changes. And, and that changes your profit margin. So know what your overhead is and, and if your business can account for doing those kind of things and if your, your client's willing to pay for those things. If not, if it's something you want to kind of take on the chin to build a portfolio, that's great. Um, again, there's there's not even there's nothing wrong with building the regular base color patio with an accent band because a lot of clients, that's what they want. And so isn't that our job is to also give them what they want. So know your market, know your, your niche and where you're happy. You can be very happy building whatever you want. If it's not in your wheelhouse and you want to do designer stuff, just know that, you know, there's a lot of learning curves that come with that, whether it be callbacks that you're going to have to warranty and take care of. Um, or time frame changes and, and, and profit losses because it does happen. Um, so just be prepared for that and, and account for it. That's all.
Yeah, I can just follow that up with Adam with um, you know callbacks, a hundred percent. If you if you go back and just fix every single callback, you know you you'll be well more respected, and they will refer you even more. You know, don't forget, like you know me, Adam, we post on Instagram, and everybody sees the perfect side of the business. They always see the perfect side. They never know what how bad things go behind the scenes. So you know, don't get me wrong, you know the. As long as you stand by your work, you're going to get more respect that way. And I can and, agree with and that. And a lot of times there's fallback to be little things that are not at on your um, your scope of, of anything you did. But because you're willing to go back and say, yep, you're right. Something was faulty. You don't even have to say it wasn't my fault, but I'm going to fix it. You just go back and say, you're right. This shouldn't be this way. I'm going to take care of it. I mean, that goes so far with your clientele. Um, and you just... You know, again, the more custom a project, the more lights are in a project, the more different pavers and different tolerances between them with polysand, the more risk you have of little things happening. So again, when you come to designer work, know that that's a possibility and budget accordingly, budget time, money, and and, and your stress factor. Make sure you can handle the stress factor because there is a huge, huge amount of stress that comes with the, the custom work. There's a lot of reward that does as well. So balance them up. I just want to take a break from today's episode to talk about our sponsor, Cycle CPA. You may have a CRM or project management software in place, but what data are you using to ensure your estimating is accurate? Having a proper accounting setup and accurate bookkeeping done is key to understanding overhead expenses and other costs that must be recouped in your estimates. Cycle CPA is a remote bookkeeping and CFO firm that helps to connect the dots from the financial reports to the hardscape and landscape data needed in order to reach high profits. They provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA's team of accountants are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry, and you can visit them at cyclecpa.com and for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode. Okay, so then one thing I want to address here uh, with a pushback to this custom work and this custom design work would be that the investment that the client puts forward for this this uh, custom design work, they're likely not going to get it back if they ever do resell their house. So the I would say the pro to the basic, you know, contrasting border to the field pavers, uh, simple patio would be that it appeals to a more broad audience so that when that client does go to resell their house, uh, it's likely going to appeal to the person that's going to then purchase that house. Uh, the projects where the designs are more tailored to the actual homeowner, that might be a little bit more difficult. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? And this does this ever actually come up uh, when talking to a client about a design that, you know what, are you asking them, is this your forever home? And uh, the reason why I asked this is because I just want to bring this up before uh, we, we go down the route of this custom work or uh, I just want to know your guys thoughts on what I just said there. Whoever wants to start off uh, addressing that there. That's the, the real estate agent's fault. He can't upsell that <laughs> patio. That's his fault. If he can't upsell that patio and get extra commission for his client, that's his problem. So I'm just saying, you know, you, you got to think about it. it, it for, for a customer's perspective, I tell them all the time, this is a unique patio. This is a one-of-a-kind patio. You're never going to get this. If you want to sell your house, then that's that's fair enough. But I feel like you're going to um, get the right home buyer who's going to be, like, obsessed with this backyard even more than a regular patio. And I think that's a great upsell value to the house. You'll definitely get your money back. It's just, like I said, you know, it's it, it's like us. We, we attract the right clientele to our designs, our business. So, you know, it's the same thing. If they want to sell their house, they'll they'll attract the right clientele to buy their house. I love that. I, uh, <laughs> I Yeah, no, it's the real estate agent's fault. But uh, no, so so really right off the bat, that's actually one of the first things I bring up to a client is, is this your forever home? Is this a five-year home? Is this a 10-year home? Um, because truthfully, 
you know, if you are designing a super custom project, say, you know, there, there are people who are putting, um, I haven't done it. I, I see you guys doing it, but their favorite sports teams, logos in their patios, right? It's like, okay, that, that's amazing. What if you have the rival trying to buy your house? This is, this is a downsell. So, you know, I do ask that question right off the bat. The second follow-up question is, even if you plan on selling the house, is quality installation. Because if you don't get a quality installation, regardless of design, it's actually a detractor from selling your house. Because now you've got settlement, trip hazards, uh, waterproofed against the house wasn't proper. Now it needs to be repaired. Now they're saying after inspection, they want money off. Okay, so you don't want a bad installation. So where exactly are we going with this install? Uh, I think that the thing we have working in our favor is the market has seemed to change to people are staying planted in their homes longer. Um, almost every client I come across now, they're not saying, oh, yeah, it's my starter house. It's no, we love this neighborhood. All of our kids go to school here. All of our friends are in the same neighborhood. Uh, we plan on staying here for the next 20 years. It's like, OK, well, in that case, this is yours. Let's make something you can enjoy versus something you could resell. You know, and, and I'm quite blunt about that and say, you know, if you want to get resale, do your kitchen, do your master bathroom, do all that. If you want to enjoy your outdoors, then let's build something here because that's what we could do. I'm going to veer off a little bit here. Uh, and I want to ask you guys about your your guys' business because with this custom work, um, brings about the problem of scalability of the business. And this all comes down to <laughs> what you want your business to be, right? Uh, if you're doing more custom work, the less scalable the business is going to be. Whereas if it's cookie cutter, you can scale that thing quite easily. Um, where do you guys want your business to be? Uh, are you wanting multiple crews? Are you wanting to grow your business, scale your business? And, and what does that look like with this custom work? Does this mean that you maybe have a crew that you're on that you take care of that does the custom work and then maybe a crew that goes out and does maybe just basic work. Um, is that under a different name because you wouldn't want those to be as, you know, tied to one another? Uh, thoughts on this scalability with your custom work and where you're, you want your business to be. Adam, you're the one man crew. Where, where do you want your business to be? Um, I don't know how many years out, but just thoughts on that. So, that's you're you're touching on a really difficult topic there for me uh like i said it's it's been about three years since we spoke and i'll tell you i was 30 and now i'm 33 going on 34 and this last weekend i said eight foot bluestone treads alone and i hurt my knee doing it and it's one of those things that you're like this is not gonna be a forever setup um, no matter how much you love it and then beyond that you start thinking of a family and children in a home and you start saying, Hey, you know, there's, there's life beyond me. I, I can't be selfish and say, these are the things I want to do forever. Um, so again, just like everything else, it's, it's, it's really about balance. I have yet to find that balance. I'll admit that. And I, I keep looking for it. Um, I get people constantly saying just hire, just hire. But then when you get asked to do, like I said, a pebble mosaic shower floor outside, how, how, how do you hire for that? What guy can you send out to do that job? You know, that's that's not a, a, a crew job. That's a I have to be on site job. Um, and, and that is where I find myself frequently. And that's the jobs that come to my plate. And I'm happy for that. But at the same time, it's I'm not even getting calls for small jobs or walkways or 20 by 20 two tone patios. I'm getting calls for the custom work. So it's. You know, uh, the, the, you look at both sides of the coin. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate for those things, but where do I go from here? And, and I'll be honest, I, I genuinely don't know yet. I, I'm, but I'm searching. I really, really am. Um, there, there's always room for improvement. You know, every season's a different season. The economy's changing. A few years ago, the economy was crazy booming. We had so much freedom. I think that freedom is tightening down on us, and we have to be smarter about it. So, you know, uh, uh, just like. Those, those uh, relationships with my clients are fluid. I try to stay fluid with the business. Plan for it. Make sure you have your overhead covered and, and a nest egg and, and everything's safe. Um, once you have that, then you can kind of be a little bit more fluid. So that's really where I am is I'm, I'm just going to continue trusting my gut, you know, trusting my gut and trusting the clients that come to my door. Honest answer. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Shane. So 
Yeah, so for me, basically, um, I'm actually set up right now that I could actually go and do a second crew. I have two trucks, two machines, two trailers, because that's what that's what my plan was. That was my plan for this year. But obviously this year, it was it wasn't like 2020. It wasn't like 2021. It wasn't like during the COVID years. So I kind of took a step back. But I do have that preparation. It's a big killer for the overhead. But I do want to eventually go and have two crews, one crew here and one crew here. But I still feel like I hold on to the quality side of the business because if I'm going to be in two places at once, it's going to kill me and I feel like my quality is going to slip. So that's another perspective. But the thing is, I just want to touch on like what Adam said. So I used to be a lot more involved and I wouldn't leave the job at all. But actually, I had an accident in early 2021 where I actually lost um, 80% vision in my left eye. Ooh. So I don't, I don't know what, how it happened. I know earlier that year we went to Jamaica and I jumped off the cliffs in, of uh, Rick's Cafe. So yeah, that could have been it, but I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it could have been a piece of concrete in the eye. Who knows? The, the doctor didn't know. I detached my retina. So I... That was a scary, scary thing. So I lost my eyesight uh, for 10 days. I, I, I had to lay face down. And it, it kind of made me realize, you know, what I have to give more control to my guys what, as, as well as me taking a step back. So I took a step back as much as I can because – if, if not, I need someone to carry on with the business because, you know, like I said, I got machine payments, I got overhead. I need someone like that. So if that ever happens to me again, I am set up for that. Funny enough, during that time, I was lucky because my wife, you know, she 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 actually helped me out. Then like four or five days, she actually went to work. She didn't know what she was talking about. I just told her to, to lie out of her teeth and just collect the money at the end of the job and which she did a great job and she did excellent and um you know it was some of that she was involved with but yeah it's it's a a good point your health is your most important thing in this business and if anything does happen to <coughs> yourself you have to make sure you've got someone to fall back on so adam i give you props and honestly i i would think that should be your next step is to see if I know it's going to be hard letting go, but you have to let go. You have to take a step back for your company to survive. And that's just me just trying to be honest with you, buddy. No, you're, you're right. And uh, like I said, 33 is still a young, young age, but um, sorry, 34 is coming in a few weeks. Uh, in, in this, this industry, 34 is pretty much 50. So <laughs> it is what it is. And truthfully, we are only as good to our clients and our projects as we are healthy. If, if we cannot show up and perform, then it, it doesn't matter what we could sell, what we could pitch, all that. So, so you're right. Having, having guys who can is, is a, a big deal. Um, and there, there's, there's a lot of stuff last year that my, my health took a really bad downturn. Not sure if it was due to stress or what happened, but there were many days. It was, it was really tough. And, um, and then that, that comes back even into your personal life because by the time you have so little energy as it is. You're burning yourself out on these jobs. Then you come home in your personal life. It's like, well, I don't, I, I'm, I'm honestly too tired to, to really cook a nice dinner and enjoy it with, with my girl. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not at a point where I have children yet, but if I did, you know, I would feel awful coming home and being too tired to not be there. Um, honestly, I, I have a dog. I don't, that she's pretty much my daughter. And I feel terrible not coming home and saying, yeah, let's go outside and, and throw the Frisbee or go for a hike because I'm so burnt out and that, that feels awful. So really we're only as good to everyone else around us as, as our, our health. So yeah, not having a crew does become a huge thing. And, and, and touching on running two crews, um, there's a company in Connecticut that's, that's this amazing work that I'm not sure if he's a landscape architect or not, if he's certified, but he does an incredible work. And I know from the um, the reps around here for the companies that what they show online for their designer work is a piece of the business, but they also do a lot of basic install work. It's to the top-notch quality, 
And it's, it's really where their profit margins are coming from. And the owner designer of this company gets to enjoy the rewards of, of kind of running all of that by really showcasing and focusing on his designer projects. So maybe that is the avenue I go, you know, that, that it's something I've toyed with, something I think about. So as for been, I, I have a crew and I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out myself. And I really am. And that's my personal life gets really affected, you know, my relationship, everything. So it's some of that, even when you still think you have it all figured out, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> you know, it really don't. And it's hard. It's very hard. And it does stress is a big, big issue as a business owner. And it's some you know, I'm still trying to manage myself. I'm still trying to like discipline myself. And as for touching on, you know, that, that landscape company you were talking about, there's a guy in my area who, you know, a shout out to him is, his name's James Reed. And he started this, uh, affordable patio.com. And he actually has an Instagram at Rose to a hundred M's and he talks about overhead business and everything. So the thing is I talk to him a lot and it's somewhat that in the future, I would go down his route where you could do like a, a cheaper patio, but still have my design over here. So yeah, I, I agree that that definitely is so profitable and just show the design work as your portfolio. That's something you can definitely do. I agree. And uh, that was going to be part of my question to you there, Shane, with, uh, you know, how difficult it must be with having a family and kids. I, I believe you have kids there as well. Uh, how difficult that must be, which Adam touched on there. And then so my last question to you guys uh, going off of that is, is business ownership worth it? <laughs> Since we touched oh. on the, the <laughs> difficulties. You know what? That's 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 to each their own. Um we all have different values and what we want to get out of our uh, our time here. And for me, I think working for somebody else or like I, I touched on earlier, doing the same project over and over would be so unsatisfying and I would not feel fulfilled. Um, the same thing goes for being kind of my own boss. That's it, It's something that has come up because again, looking down paths of, health and what I can provide and what I can do and where this company goes. I have talked to other companies about possibly working for other people, um, whether that be in completely shutting down Lily and working somewhere else or working in a design um, aspect and, and having others install. Um, so far where I'm at, I, I, I'm so connected to my designs and my installs and, and my human interaction with my clients and working outdoors, honestly. I mean, it, could we be more fortunate to just work outdoors? I, I love that we get to be outside. I couldn't imagine working in an office. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that, just not for me. So same goes for business. Is it worth it? Oh God, there are so many nights I don't sleep and I'm like, that's it. Tomorrow I'm finishing this job and I am done. I am over. And then you get a new lead and you're like, oh, heck yeah. I'm going to build the coolest thing I've ever built. And you just kind of keep bouncing back and forth. So it's each their own, you know, you got to follow your gut and follow your internal compass. For me, I, right now, I, I'm, I'd like this path. I'm going to continue on it. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I don't think I could ever work for someone again. I don't think I could, you know, go back to, the old days where I was working for someone and he was screaming at me left, right, and center, like, get this, get that, you know, uh, you know, mix the cement. I, I, I couldn't do that anymore. And it's just, it's now I share a passion with my crew. My crew shares the passion with me. And I just feel like I just, every, every single job's different. Every single day is different. And I, I just, I love the creativity as well as Adam said there. And I, I just, I couldn't give it up. There's no way. Uh, I love, love being my own boss. I love um, designing my own projects just because it's a personal touch you gave that client and no one else is going to match that uniqueness. So I feel like just, just on that perspective, I, I, I can, I could never give this up as, as working for someone else. No way. Absolutely not. <laughs> 
Well, guys, I think that's a good way to put a close to this uh, roundtable. I really appreciate your guys' time in doing this, um, both with the uh, individual interviews is now this roundtable. And hopefully I'll have you guys back for some roundtable rallies here with some other hardscapers. But uh, guys, where can our audience go find out more about you, what you've got going on, as well as any closing comments, remarks that you want to make about uh, any topic that we kind of discussed and touched on throughout this, anything else that you want to add or just close the audience with, where can they find you as well? Adam, uh, where do you want uh, our audience to go find out more about you? Uh, so right now it's, it's still just Instagram at Lily LLC, L I L L E Y LLC uh, website. <laughs> you know, it's just me. I'm busy. I, I, I'm trying to get it up. It's, it's common. All right. But <laughs> yeah, Lily LLC at Instagram and uh, closing comments. Like I said, I, I get people asking me design stuff and scale stuff and working for yourself and being a one man show. Honestly, follow your gut, know your limitations. And, um, just stand by what you do, no matter what, even if, if you fall short, stand by it, keep your clients happy. The rest is going to, it's going to follow. Love it. Nice. And Shane yourself, where can our audience go find out more about you and uh, any closing comments, remarks? Uh, same uh, Instagram, Royal Stone Masonry 87. And I love that cool picture in the background of yours with the, you know, is that, what, um, what is that? The pyramid? What, which pyramid yeah, that's is that? Chichen Itza. In, Wait, is that uh, supposed Mexico. to be UFOs above it or something? That's what everyone says. <laughs> That's what everyone says. It's it's not. It, if you They're zoom real. in, they look like clouds. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that that's another thing. Wow, ancient architects absolutely blows my mind every time I look at the pyramids. I look at you know, hundred ton stones what were lifted into place. It's just absolutely <laughs> incredible, and I feel like you know that. It's just that ancient people used to do it years and years ago. And today we've got excavators and machines. So what's stopping us from building pyramids today? That's what I want to close on. That's good. That's my, good. my next project is going to be a pyramid. All right, I'm going to do it. I love it. I'm going to move some stones. Let's go. Yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> That that goes back to my fear of doing some sort of inlay. I would do some sort of clouds, and then somebody would say that they look like UFOs. So, <laughs> um, don't, don't don't get me wrong. There's always haters on Instagram, no matter how how good you do. There's always someone who's got put a, a smart remark on, and it's like, bro, just you don't have to say anything. Why? Why do you have to say something? It's just. All the time. I see it all the time. People have to say something. It's like, come on, stop. stop. <laughs> well, guys, thank yeah. you so much for your time. I, I do really appreciate it. And uh, for bearing with me for as long as you've already had. Uh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, Mike. You. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. I highly recommend if you are not following them already, go follow Adam from Lily LLC, L-I-L-L-E-Y. LLC on Instagram and Shane from Royal Stone Masonry 87 on Instagram to see more of their work and the projects that we talked about throughout this episode. And if you could do something for this podcast, I'd really appreciate a rating and review if you're on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Just a quick click of the button will give us a rating there and i've been trying to go through some of our previously written reviews on apple podcasts if you leave a written review there i'll get to it on the show and a few today we've got mcgrath 613 titled very valuable to anyone in the industry with a thumbs up five stars great way to connect and spin ideas around we'll absolutely learn from these regardless of how long you've been around Another one here from Jeremy, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, JJX. Great guys, keep our industry informed and educated with a couple thumbs up and a raise the roof emoji. Five stars. I love all the info and the best part comes from real contractors out there on the field like me with a thumbs up. And then finally, from Sutton Outdoor, excellent podcast, five stars. The How to Hardscape podcast is an excellent resource for new or seasoned veterans of the landscape and hardscape industry. Mike gets right down to business on each and every podcast and provides seemingly endless nuggets of knowledge the entire time on all aspects of the hardscape industry. I look forward to each and every new release of the podcast and have made it a habit to tune in while I work or drive from project to project, learning something new along the way. 
There is no better way to work on improving yourself and your business than to subscribe to the How to Hardscape podcast. Thumbs up, 100. Thank you, Sutton, for that written review. And once again, if you want to leave us a written review, that's on Apple Podcasts there. And on Spotify, just a five-star rating would be amazing. Thank you so much. And once again, we want to say thank you to our sponsors, Inlight Outdoor Lighting. If you're looking to add outdoor lighting to your hardscaping business, reach out to Inlight at Inlight Design on Instagram, I-N-L-I-T-E Design and Cycle CPA. If you're on Instagram, still Cycle underscore CPA. Give them a follow. They've got great information, educational information on bookkeeping, accounting, CFO services there. And let them know how to hardscape sent you for $200 off their services if you decide to follow through with them. And we look forward to meeting with you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.